there have been family tragedies for a lot of these women and some of them haven't been able to come home some of them had fears about becoming the focus of police attention does a Louis Vuitton handbag replace that sense of of you know being able to come home freely and, and without consequence they can live a life of luxury but there's also huge consequences to choosing to be with somebody that's a gangland criminal I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. They are the wives and girlfriends of the first family of crime who've lived a millionaire lifestyle on the back of the Kinnahan's billion dollar drug business. But what next for the wags of gangland as the carefully constructed money machine behind the Kinnahan organised crime group crumbles under the weight of US sanctions? Today, I'm talking with Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the women behind the men of gangland and what the future may hold for them now the tables have turned. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Women of gangland have long been fascinating for many. Anytime we sort of do anything up, there's a lot of interest in it, isn't there? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is the, the, there always has been. And again, like if you look at the, the Sopranos or Goodfellas, you know, the women are always a key part of the story, you know. Um, it's not just the, the crimes, but the, the family life and how that, that plays out as well is always of, of massive interest, you know. And um, behind every great man is 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 yes exactly, um, and of course the conspicuous consumption as well is always is a fascination for people, you know. So this fall of the Kinahan Empire, which is you know, let's say it hasn't fallen, it's falling and it's unraveling at a very speedy pace. Um, we're going to come to that, but. We just have a quick look at the women and where they're at. And we reported at the weekend that it's expected that they will be home probably first. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, the the, the people that are, are married to, you know, the senior figures in the Kinahan cartel are not act- regarded as being active participants in organised crime. That's to make that clear straight off. Mm. However, there's no doubt that... that um, you know, that they are, are living a different lifestyle than, than the average person. And, you know, we see now that the, 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 the network, what looked like a safe network in, in the Middle East is being, um, in the Gulf states, have been really rocked now. Mm. And they're expected to come home as, you know, they, 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 the, the, the senior figures in the Kenyan cartel go through a, like a per- period of turmoil. I mean, you hear all sorts of stuff. They're going to go here. They're going to go there. There was a certainly was a big rumor they're going to Afghanistan, which, you know, they might nearly be better off coming back and facing the special criminal court than going to Afghanistan. But there's they're clearly, you know, and all we hear is that they're trying to now look at ways to, to, to hold on to as much money as they can maybe have to get out of, of, of Dubai. But, you know, as a part of that, their their family and the people connected with them are likely to return to Dublin where they won't 
clearly won't face any criminal charges. So, um, yeah, the United Arab Emirates stream appears to be over for them, although they're not moving very quickly. And again, we'll come to Sean McGovern in a while. But let's just have a look at who is out there and who has been. Who are these women um, at the sides of the top tier of the Kinahan Mafia? Uh, Christy Kinahan Sr. has had a series of relationships over his time. And we don't really know much about his current partner other than she was Belgian and she moved with him from Spain. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Christy Kinnan Sr. was was at one point married to, to Daniel and Christopher Jr.'s mother. That relationship broke down, you know, decades ago. Um, and he, Christy Sr., is, is in a new relationship. We've heard details about her, um, but he seems to have also had uh, further family mm. while over there. Um, so she she remains a mystery, uh, Certainly. Yeah, she's she's he's more private, really, than the rest of them. I mean, there was a story some years ago about a woman he was in a relationship with, uh, could have been married to her. She was based in the UK, but she went on to marry some convicted murderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A notorious uh, sort of uh, not a gangland killer, just a notorious killer. And in, in she was originally from from uh, the Netherlands and he seems to have been convicted there. So that was, and yeah, she, she appeared on social media and yeah. uh, uh, all that stuff. She was sort of outed at one point after 2016 when a lot of concentration came on them, but uh, their relationship again was long over and there was no children from that. But he does appear to have a number of children in Dublin apart from Daniel and, and Christopher Jr. We know of them, but we won't be in any way identifying them. Um, they have no involvement in organised crime and they had no choice about their father or whatever. So we leave that at that. But nonetheless, he's out there. He's been living a, a very luxury lifestyle. That woman that he's in the relationship with, they did have small children when they were living in Spain around, certainly after, between 2012 and 2014. He was actually seen at the pool in his luxury villa in Estepona in Terabermaja. And he was, it was just actually before he was due to go back to prison in Belgium. So he must have been quite stressed out at the time. But I do recall um, an eyewitness reporting that they had seen him in the pool playing with the children and he was really het up. He was on and off the phone and he got into the pool with the kids and he sort of was playing with them and ducking them. And at one point there was this sort of collective gasp of breath around the pool because he ducked one of the children just a little bit too long. Um, and maybe that was just a sign of, you know, his stress levels, no matter how much money you have or where you're at in life, sometimes stress can overcome you. But that's him. And I mean, next on the uh, on the list of sanctions really is his son, Daniel Kinahan. And we do know quite a bit about his relationships. Yes. I mean, of course, like uh, one of the big events in, in, in the, the, the story of the Kinahans is is Daniel's wedding um, to Quiva uh, Robinson in Dubai in 2017. And. Um, you know, Quiva Robinson had been in, in, in the Sunday world, in fact, previously, um, because her previous uh, partner, um, um, Michael Micah Kelly, had been shot dead. Um, Micah Kelly was, you know, he was also known as the Panda, uh, un under the pseudonym the Panda. He was one of the top tier of drug traffickers in, in Dublin. Um, he would have been a contemporary of Daniel Kinahan, though, 
was clearly operating uh, his own kind of network. Um, he, but he was shot dead by the real IRA. Um, he had been under pressure, I think, to pay protection money, had by all accounts refused to do so. Um, he was living with uh, Quiva Robinson at the time in, in North Dublin. They just had an, a young child and he'd been left her home and was shot dead. Um, you know, obviously the, 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 the person believed to have carried out the, the murder was um, uh, Vinnie Ryan, a brother of Alan Ryan, um, uh, who was subsequently uh, murdered himself in a gangland hit. So Quiva Robinson, you know... She has a type, Niall. She has a type, yeah, which is, yeah. you know, seems to be rich drug dealers. But obviously then what happened was, you know, she she obviously, you know, Mika Kelly had lived over in Spain for periods of time between Dublin and Spain and had gotten to know, had been a contemporary of the Kinnahans and, and, and of Frafraid. She'd obviously Thompson. met Daniel in She'd her obviously, over in Spain. Yeah, they, he'd certainly moved between there, Mika Kelly between Spain and, and the UK, but she'd obviously got to know him um, and struck up a relationship. Um, they... Then there was, people were talking about it. They were due, you know, there was rumours going around. They were due to get married. Um, obviously, they did get married in, in, in 2017. Um, it was actually reported first by a Dubai uh, uh, website. Love in Dubai, wasn't it? Love in Dubai, who then subsequently had to apologise, uh, yeah. if you remember correctly. For, but for do, if you remember when they were, at the time, kind of in a relationship, was pre-2016. So it was just before the Regency from memory. And the rumours were he was in and out, Daniel Kinahan at the time, into Dublin. And he was running MGM, the boxing club from Marbella. They were planning all sorts of kind of, um, you know, boxing extravaganzas here in Dublin. And he was in and out because we photographed him a lot in and out of, of um, Dublin and indeed quite a lot over in City West Hotel where he liked having lunch in one of the restaurants and there was an, a number of kind of boxing weigh-ins held over there. But he was... The, the talk was that when he was home, he would be staying with Kiva Robinson. And I do recall we wrote a bit of a story saying that, you know, Daniel Kinahan was in a new relationship because, of course, he had a number of children in Spain, had been through two relationships that I know of in Spain long term um, and appears to be still in good stead with the ex-partners and with the children. But he was in this new relation. It was interesting because Kiva Robinson was a gangland widow, essentially, but we wrote the story and the next thing, a complaint came in. Do you remember this? I do, of course. Um, there was, there was, there was certainly the, there was a complaint to say that it was untrue and, you know, it wasn't uh, based on any, any facts. But what really happened then was that, that, you know, in 2017, um, they did end up getting married. Yeah. Uh, there's no denying it then. If no, you, if there's you no the not, and the there? reason there's no denying it, of course, is that it was being monitored by the Drug Enforcement Agency of the US. Mm -hmm. And this was a, a really has become a real key part of the whole, mm -hmm. what was going on in the Middle East. Um, obviously, Daniel had a massive, massive wedding, by all accounts, in uh, a seven-star hotel. Absolutely huge amounts of money spent. Um it became a kind of a, a summit for all of Europeans, super cartel leaders. Um, there was guys from the UK, 
Um, some of them we, na- we can name, some of them we can't. But obviously Johnny Morrissey, the one that's that's been sanctioned recently. But we also had Rido and Taji from the Netherlands. Um, uh, Richard uh, Elrico, who who did Chilean, as he was called, who was also associated with the Morocco Mafia in, in the Netherlands. And Raphael Imperiali, the uh, Camorra Mafia godfather from Italy. Mm. So they all came together for this wedding. Obviously, I think at that stage, uh, Daniel thought... And we're over in the Middle East, nobody is capable of keeping that. But what did appear ultimately was that um, they were being monitored, and particularly a guy called Ed Eden Kassanen, who was a, a, a Serbian mobster who was very much at the head of the, the, the super cartel. He, he was particularly being monitored, I think, by the Drug Enforcement Agency, who, who ultimately reported all of this information. And that's become a key part of the the. the, the establishing the ties between these people that they were all at this wedding and mm. and 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 so well Kiva Robinson moved lock stock and barrel from Dublin out to the United Arab Emirates to be with him and then they had this you know wedding and they've been living in incredible luxury ever since um from the sanctions we know and I had heard before that there was a villa in the Palm Jumeirah which is that you know man-made sort of uh yeah, I think it's fair to say it's the, the most expensive piece of real estate in the world. I think there was stories in the paper this week of absolutely nothing to do with the, Kin- the Kinnan cartel, but about the richest, uh, the most expensive ever property sold in the world, I think. So it's literally the, the you know, obviously Dubai is a source of... The epitome of, of wealth is the, if you live there, if you have an address there. But, you know, she may be returning home to Dublin nonetheless. And, um, you know, that's that's that's... The reality is, of course, that that um, she had a family bereavement during the year. She, you know, although these people, these gangsters, malls, or mm. you know, gangland wags, whatever you want to, whatever they're referred to as, they can live luxury. They can a life of luxury, but there's also huge consequences to the to the life of of choosing to be with somebody that's a gangland criminal, mm. and that and with that comes uh, the fact that. That, that this woman is going to be separated from her family. She's going to be the focus of media attention. That's that's part of what she signed up for. I mean, Daniel Kinnan was one of the most notorious people in, in Ireland when she married him. Um, you know, she's not going to have the capacity to fly in and out to, to see her family. Mm. And, you know, presumably um, as living with her, living with the anxiety of not knowing what's going to, while although What's she might happen next week? no yeah. and has endless wealth today that may all be gone tomorrow by all accounts she's a um I have spoken to people who said she's a very you know nice and you know decent person to to deal with but you know um she the, might have the greatest choice in men maybe she no, believe it no. <laughs> like that no, kind she, yeah um, you know and there's many more like her I can tell you yeah but um Interestingly, the wedding and the idea that that wedding was not just a lavish family affair, very kind of mafiosa style, godfather style. The Kinnahans before have used a wedding as a crime summit. And that's when Christopher Jr. married his childhood sweetheart, Georgina Carish, in um, a hotel in Dublin in 2007. And that wedding was also under surveillance at the time. Um at the time, it was under surveillance because of what would become Operation Shovel, the first attempt to bring down the Kinahan Mafia in 2010, led by the Spanish. 
But that wedding was was uh, photographed and, and uh, there was certainly financial transactions investigated, etc. at it. Christopher Jr., who is a lesser light in the whole thing from personality point of view, really, he seems to be a quieter type of a chap. He married Georgina Carish. They moved out to Spain. They lived up in Benahabas, a beautiful mountaintop retreat overlooking the coast. They had a very luxury lifestyle. And for a period of time when not everybody was, they were playing out that lifestyle on social media. They had Facebook pages. They were often showing off parties that they had and days on the beach, these um, champagne parties that are held down along the Puerto Banus area and Marbella, would, they would often attend that. The women, um, Georgina and her various associates of hers from Dublin would come over and they'd be photographed on the beach and designer swimwear and they seemed to have days out on yachts. It looked like the dream. But that relationship did come to an end and she's long been back in Dublin and is cut off from them. Um, my information is that Christopher Jr., despite his father being this globe-trotting um mid-Atlantic, you know, very sophisticated businessman that Junior, despite all the world he's travelled, never could find anybody other than from back home. And that in recent years, there was a very young girl from around the Dublin 8 area who moved out to spend time with him. If she's still there or not, I'm not 100% sure. But um, the, the word was, if she is, the likelihood is that she'll be on her way back as well. Um, Sean McGovern wanted for murder here in this country um, and who migrated to the United Arab Emirates in the immediate aftermath of Noel Duckegg Kerwin's murder in December of 2016. He's had a long-term relationship with a woman called Anita Freeman and they have a number of children probably grown to their teens now at this stage. Um, but Anita Freeman is an interesting character. She has been hanging around that Crumlin mob since the days of the the Crumlin Drimna feud. In fact, I think she witnessed a significant event around Abercababra. Declan Gavin was was stabbed to death by Brian Rattigan outside the Abercababra. Um, Brian Rattigan was ultimately uh, convicted of manslaughter for that killing. But Anita Freeman, yeah, she she grew up even back in the if you remember the the, the Bebo the threat days, which is you know. Over I don't 15. remember those. I, no, I wasn't no. able to use a computer she, back then. No, but she was. Her name was being put out there at that stage. So she, she and and Sean McGovern grew up as really as associates of of Lean Byrne, um, and ultimately Bomber Kavanagh, and ultimately Bomber Kavanagh, and that's what that was how he. Uh, how Sean McGovern's entry into the world of organised crime, but he's um, seems to have he's moved on now and has has become Daniel Kinnahan's right hand man. Um, but Sean McGovern and Anita Freeman were living uh, in a relatively modest home in 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 the Crumlin area, just down the road from Neem Byrne. Um, the house from the outside was, you know, relatively unremarkable. But ultimately, it'll be seized by Cab, who's who showed that. I mean, whatever the the, the cost of the, the property, they spent an equal amount doing it up in the most luxurious manner possible. And um, it was also a feature of the Cab case that it was the house, uh, in order to disguise the ownership, had been bought by uh, a fund in Mauritius. Uh, very complicated uh, financial structure in order to allow him to to uh, the, the house to be. Uh, beneficially owned by Sean McGovern, um, 
But so that 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 was part of the first wave, the, the cab operation to take those assets off the burn organized crime group and their home was gone. Mm. So I mean it's it's it remains boarded up. It remains um, boarded up and, and and up for sale. So And before actually the keys were handed over because that was a settlement, they didn't actually fight the cab case. They initially looked for free legal aid and didn't get it members of the named respondents on that case. And they didn't get the free legal aid and then they settled and they basically handed it over. But before they did, um, somebody ripped the kitchen out of it and ripped everything from it. I think even the toilet was taken from the, the bathroom, um, a real sign of contempt really for the for the law. Yeah, which is, has happened before in, in, in houses seized by cab. But Anita Freeman, um, you know, has, has reappeared in Dublin periodically. Um, but Sean McGovern obviously will be arrested if he if he sets foot anywhere in the European Union. I mean, they're really in the most precarious situation of all, whereas the the Kinnahan father and sons and the other associates that are have been listed with them in the US sanctions are under threat and probably businesses and all is collapsing all around them. McGovern is in more immediate need to either move or to hide out in the Emirates because he is wanted here for murder. And that uh, arrest warrant has been issued and the United Arab Emirates authorities are aware of his, that he's wanted. I'm personally quite surprised that he's not home already. No, because, I mean, the, 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 the Dubai officials have, you know, in theory, when there's there's uh, actual arrest warrants and, 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 you know, in order to get an arrest, there's there's charges brought um, that that they have extradited people back to Europe. But, you know, again, you know, and although things have changed in the last couple of weeks, but the, the Kinahan organisation had embedded themselves into in, in the society, in the United Arab Emirates, that the con- criminal contemporaries haven't been able to do. And, you know, while who knows what the future will hold, it does seem to have slowed down the, the, the normal processes where, you know, these, these people... Daniel and presumably McGovern, they're they're linked in with people of of influence in 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 society in Dubai. Well, while the United Arab Emirates have frozen assets, they say um, linked to the Kinahan organization. Um, you know, it will be a sign of their commitment to this process, whether or not McGovern is is shipped home fairly quickly, because everybody there knows. Where he is, it's not a question that his his whereabouts have been secret. He's been working quite openly with Daniel Kinahan and his wife and family have been living there quite openly. So, um, you know, unless he's done a magic disappearing act, he's in the country and the Emirates authorities are aware that he's wanted for murder. So I know where he is. And of course, interestingly enough, you know, maybe showing how how the people at that top of that criminal organization feel about Dubai and their their safety there is that Liam Byrne has now appeared in Dubai after after leaving the UK I, by all accounts believing he was about to become the focus of police operations in the UK so he's landing in Dubai now yeah, in the middle of all this so so they not obviously the best timing not the best timing but also maybe shows that they don't have that fear they think they're safer in Dubai than than in other places mm. and and Time will tell if that's true or not, if we do see extradition warrants starting to come. So what about Anita Freeman? What does she do? I mean, she's coming from years. I mean, she's probably over in Dubai five years now. And I'm sure the family have settled and 
you know, you have a school going age kids and that kind of thing. It's a big upheaval for them. But at the same time, I think a lot of these women that do have to migrate with their men because of their ties to organized crime, they must miss home. I mean, in the end of the day, um, home is home. Yeah, home is home. And nearly all of those people that are at the top of that organization have young kids, mm. school going kids. And, and you know, it, their ability then to, to, to come back and um, there have been family tragedies for a lot of these women and some of them haven't been able to come home. Some of them haven't wanted the attention maybe of coming home, had fears about, you know, maybe becoming the focus of police attention. So you have to wonder, is it worth it? You know, when you have, you know, is a does a Louis Vuitton handbag replace that sense of, of you know, being able to exist and come home freely and, mm. and without consequence. And surrounded with your family and all the rest of it. I mean, sure, the heat in the Arab, Arab Emirates would kill me <laughs> altogether. But, you know, it's funny that these, 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 um, some of these women have, you know, they're, they're, you know, approaching maybe 40 years old or whatever, maybe in their 30s, um, Simone McEnroe as well from Lean Burns. Uh, some of them are pushing 50. <laughs> some of them are. But the, um, but the point is that, uh, you know, not to age, uh, age discriminate against anybody, but these people have lived in that world for decades. Mm. You know, if you're talking about Liam, Liam Byrne, um, you know, he was involved in that Crumlin Drimna feud, which started in the very 2001. So that's 20 years ago. These women have been associated with people that have had threats against their life, that have the threat of police detection, that have had, you know, graffiti, social media campaigns long before this wave of it. And they have existed in that for two decades. It's like being a war widow, really, in a way, you know. But ultimately, they come home and they have... Some of them have been already named as part of Criminal Assets Bureau cases. They come home and they cannot show any wealth. So what do they do? Go on the housing list? Well, exactly. I mean, this is the problem for people that, that, that hit Back this. on social welfare? Well, exactly. I mean, this is what, what somebody said to me once, you know, what's, what's he going to do? Like this, he was talking about a gangster getting out of prison, get a job in McDonald's. I mean, this is like our, you know, it's a, it's a big come down. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's a, a, big it's a really down. heavy fall yeah. considering the, the levels of wealth. I mean, this isn't just money coming in at Christmas and getting, you know, 10 grand in your pocket to go on a holiday. This is being an absolute millionaire. Yes. And it's it's like a sort of a type of, yeah, it's like being a celebrity in a mm. sense. And you see the, some of the children over there in, in the Dubai, in Dubai as they're in school, they're in you know, private schools paying huge amounts of money. There, there, there really is no limit to what they can spend. But you know, the days of it, uh, the days of them uh, buying holiday homes around the place and retiring, it's just not going to happen for them. In Ipswich Crown Court last month, when uh, Thomas Bomber Cavanagh, Gary Vickery, and Daniel Kinning, Canning were being sentenced in relation to the massive NCA case against them for drug dealing and uh, money laundering. The In the body of the court were Nicola Connor, the wife of Gary Vickery, and of course Joanne Byrne, who is Thomas Bomber Cavanagh's wife, and also the sister of David Byrne, murdered in the Regency Hotel. Um, 
they were still standing by their men. And it did occur to me as the evidence, the massive tome of evidence was being read into the court against them. They had always been told that their husbands made their fortune from the secondhand car industry. And on the face of it, we have to accept that that's what they believe because we had have no definitive evidence otherwise. But it just occurred to me as they were sitting in court listening to, um, you know, the evidence that if they ever really did believe that, they couldn't have then. And yet they're still standing by their men and their, I mean, they were both pretty glamorous, I have to say, very well turned out, very respectful to the court. Um, but they, I just was looking at them thinking they have lost so much. They've lost so much and, you know, the it's 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 a it's a funny life to live, you know, um, where where, you know, there's this huge amount of money coming in, and it obviously certainly with Thomas Bomber Cavanaugh lived in in most incredible houses, as you would know, and you know they lived a, a life a massively luxurious lifestyle, but it does come at a cost. All of these things, and they're 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 feeling the cost now. I would imagine. And let me tell you a little bit about those lifestyles, because Joanne Byrne, indeed, I did see her house in Tamworth standing magnificently in its own grounds. We went out there around 2015 investigating Bomber Kavanaugh. We spot, saw them with their matching his and hers Range Rovers. We saw the staff arriving to the house. We know all about the holidays to Mexico, about the beautiful villa that they have in Mallorca, where they spent the month of August every year surrounded with family. We know about the trips to Las Vegas, all expenses paid, the shopping. I saw the photographs in those NCA files of the the collections of designer handbags belonging to Joanne, stuffed with wads of cash, each and every one of them. Um, there's the shopping, you know, anything money can buy. They had Nicola Connor. Uh, and Gary Vickery, by the way, had no previous convictions before this, so we don't know much about his background, but we do know that she was living with him in a property in in England um, and that he began working with Bomber sometime around 2016 or possibly before that. And the money started flooding in. In, this, in the November of 2016, just months after... Um, the Regency and, and the murder of uh, David Byrne, the crew, Bomber, Kavanaugh, at the head of it, were out celebrating in New York because they'd got their first shipment in in this new kind of operation to bring drugs in and machinery and cash back out to pay for it. Um, James Jaws Byrne was there, the father of David Byrne, as was Declan Brady and others, but Gary Vickery texted his wife uh, from that night out saying, ha-ha, this is all worth the money. Um in recent times, they moved to Lanzarote, where he was when he was arrested. He had pleaded guilty to these charges, but because of COVID and various other incidentals, he had remained at large. But when he was arrested, they've been living in this luxury villa in Lanzarote with a swimming pool, again, a BMW X5 and a Range Rover. Um, they have, she had listed a, a property rental business they were photographed and on their social media were advertising a number of boats for rental, including a quantum sunseeker, the boat used in um, the James Bond movies. And there's pictures of them enjoying days out on this around the beautiful seas of Lanzarote. It's some lifestyle. It is just, yeah. I mean, it's probably the dream that none of us will ever get to. If I do, I'll be, um, you know, 
I'll be. You'll have collected your five million from the, and collected your five million from the FBI. Well, I might collect my five million and go off and do that. I get bored, though. I have to say, I I don't know. It just. I think it's a funny thing, right? It doesn't because totally attract me. I talk about it like it's amazing and all the rest of it, but the idea of having nothing to do all day, but you know, I think around spend I think money I, just doesn't do it for me. I think as you get as well as you as you get older, like you know, there's a certain time when that when kind of no, when one right. when one gets older, um, that you know, there's a certain time and people in their twenties and they get sucked into this yeah. where where it seems like. You know, to have a, a you know designer clothes are important, mm. but I think the problem for some of these people that get involved in gangland crime that that's less as you get as you have kids as you see them grow as you you know you want them to have a security as they get into their teenage years and all the value of all that conspicuous consumption and lifestyle mm. I think it gets less and you know and I'm not talking about these women in particular but it's a funny thing you said there's always great interest in the gangland wags but sometimes they're the most aggressive in terms of the uh, in terms of the coverage you know yeah. seem the most upset by it and the most uh, distressed even by it not not even about it when they're being named but about the husbands mm. and you know i think there's there's a kind of a denial thing that goes on where you know the some of the people that are married to people that are appearing in newspapers described described as criminals they believe that that maybe you know the world doesn't know what's going on mm. and it's all going to be okay and they're worried about what the neighbors may they're think. worried about what the neighbors think and there's a but there's denial that 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 you know there's justifications, there's denials about, you know, the source of this wealth. Even when, you know, certainly in terms of Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, for example, that he had previous convictions for drug dealing even before he left Ireland w way back when. It's a funny thing, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, I think sometimes people get sucked into that life, but I don't know if the, the compensations of that as, as one gets older remain. As one, thank you for that. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think overall, you know, looking, it, looking at gangland, the underworld, whatever we call it in general, women have their place by and large, and that place is on the arm of a man. And it's quite an old fashioned world. It's where, you know, the women are sort of, you know, they're in tears because mostly a lot of the men, and I'm obviously not saying every single one of them, but a lot of them, it is that sort of high testosterone world, that alpha male. They do have other women. They have mistresses. We've seen it over the years numerous times. They'll have the mistresses pitched up in various properties. And the wife, the number one, uh, will have to just suck that up. Yeah, it's not it's not woke gangland, is it? <laughs> I don't think. Uh you know? No, it actually needs to modernise itself and women me, need to get up and me too. fight me for too their gang. rights. <laughs> no, yeah, it's definitely, it's a world of, uh, you know, where machismo or whatever you want to call it, you know, that, that, like that's a necessary feature to be a gangland criminal. I mean, you have to be you somebody. You can't be kicked around by the wife. You can't be, well, you can't, you have to be somebody. See, this is the funny thing, you know, these guys are violent people and sometimes People think, well, in their private life, they can be totally different. But, you know, I don't know if people can really separate themselves that way. So there has to be some of that that uh, that aggressiveness. And I don't mean in terms of domestic violence, but this is a general aggressiveness. And mm. uh, that, that, that plays out in personal relationships as well. That said, some of these guys can be really loving and devoted fathers and 
partners in their own way. Mm. So it's a funny world. And that's, you know, like I always remember watching The Sopranos and seeing that playing out with, 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 with Tony. You know, it's a, it's a, it is a, it's a, there was a truth there, you know, about how, how people can try and be one way, but it does seep into the personal relationships. There's no doubts. Bring it back all the way down the levels, because what we're talking about here is the absolute top tier of organised crime globally. But bringing it back down to sort of street level, and we do know a good bit about the sort of the communities where a lot of drug dealers are coming from, are very underprivileged communities. They have been by and large, you know, forgotten for a long time. People don't have the same choices, um, advantages, uh, and, you know, or they certainly feel they don't. And back at that level, there is a sense sometimes that for the woman bagging a drug dealer is a future. Well, there's a sort of social capital, I suppose, is what is what you you call it. You know what I mean? So, like, I mean, drug drug dealing and criminality exists because young men, you know, in want to make a mark on the world. And, you know, sometimes when people come from really difficult circumstances, that's the only way they perceive it, mm-hmm. that they can make a mark in the world, you know. Or improve their circumstances. Improve their circumstances and also, you know, be somebody of note, you know. Um, you know, there's obviously the other routes you see through air, people in disadvantaged areas like sports and stuff like that. Some people grab onto that. But, you know, it's, it, look, it's, there's no, no surprise that... that, that that people with other possibilities and other advantages, both women and men, you know, who come from other circumstances where they have opportunities, they don't end up in drug dealing and they don't end up in the arms of a drug dealer either. But like, you know, that's why criminality is a way out for women as well. And that's always been a factor. So it's, it's... And the likes of these designer goods, you know, these Louis Vuitton bags or whatever it is that rocks your world... They're nearly sort of like becoming a cultural thing within the drugs world, having that, showing that off and possessing it. I mean, you know, lots of people are quite happy to have a Faker Baker one. (laughs) But no, but there is that kind of sense of the man bought this for the woman and that the woman is this sort of princess that the man is going to shower with these really expensive gifts. And you see that they'll show it off. Yeah. on their, their social media accounts. And there's a pride with that, that they're worth this, that that these guys that they're worth. Yeah, and, you know, you have to remember some of these people, and I'm, again, not talking about these in particular, they're people in vulnerable people mm. um, and, you know, vulnerable women maybe, you know, who get, who who are, are you know, subject to, the, to, to being flattered by these types of things. Um, but, you know... But that can become an ambition to for a man to buy you that particular yeah, item but it must that come you so from desire. A, yeah, but it must come from a kind of personal vulnerability that that, you know, yeah. to, to believe that that would kind of fulfill something. But to something. believe that that's your worth, really, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, And it's sad then, you know, you see, like we've all come across people that got, you know, women that have come through the papers in various ways and got sucked into those sort of things. And again, it's it's very hard to to, mm. to come out. And it is... Look, let's let's make no bones about it. You know, they're some they're they're not ordering murders and selling drugs. Some of them are clearly living off the proceeds of immoral acts, though nonetheless. Mm. But it's it's a kind of a cruel world for women, I think, in a way. And women 
have their place and they can also be cast aside very easily because there's always younger women coming up. I suppose that's life in general, can it be? I suppose. You know? <laughs> Not to get too philosophical on crime world. Anyway, yeah, and uh, or depressed. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, let's let's move on from that. But I do think that um, you know they do they do suck up a lot women, and of course, there's a lot of violence against a, them. Yes, there's a lot of violence, and violence is again, it's as I said before, it's it's a it's a tap that it's hard to if you're living like that in the streets, it's hard to turn it off in the home. Mm. So back up to the top of this world, having come from the bottom there from the streets, but Nicola Morrissey, the wife of enforcer Johnny Morrissey, she is no longer in the, certainly the palatial home in Spain, which has been um, listed as as their address, that she has certainly been very quick to show videos of dinner parties and you know, other pool parties and even kids parties, very expensive kids parties in. She has gone to ground um, and she's another, I suppose, wife of a, a, a gangland enforcer. Um, and that's a big, heavy job in any gang. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But Nicola Morrissey is way younger and way prettier than the aforementioned Johnny Morrissey. Um you know, they married in a very lavish ceremony in their native Scotland. She is very, somebody who's very um, well-groomed and she shows up at all the social events in Spain and beyond. She was back in her native Scotland having the Nero Vodka company that she's the CEO of, which has now been sanctioned. She was sponsoring a football um, team there and very proudly doing a video for them as in regard to that sponsorship, she must have felt pretty powerful as the CEO of Nira Vodka for a long time. No doubt, but I'd say that sense of power was, you know, absolutely shattered the moment she became actually, you know, referred to. And Entangled in those sanctions. And mentioned by the, yeah. the US Department of Treasury. I mean, like she was said as being the, the front person for a, basically a money laundering operation for a, a drugs cartel. I'd say that was the shock of her life, you know, um, you know, to be to be going from having a public profile as being a, you know, a, a normal, successful businesswoman, really, to all of a sudden being named in the uh, directly by the, the, the US Treasury. It must be an incredible uh, shock to the system, you know. I spoke to a woman last week, a Marbella media tycoon called Michelle Usden. She's originally from Rochdale and she admitted to me that she knew of Johnny Morrissey and his reputation before she decided to help Nicola market her Nero vodka. So she said that they had meetings that she introduced her to the store, El Court Inglés, that she sort of set her on a, a marketing plan with the drink. She was obviously coming to market with a, an unknown vodka from an unknown uh, uh, producer and she very quickly picked up an enormous amount of publicity and got that drink available. I actually walked through an airport recently and it was on the shelves and I think uh, we have a story there in the Sunday World to show that it's actually uh, still for sale in the El Corte Glaze, which is is bizarre. You'd imagine they would have taken it off their shelves. But Euston, who owns the Euro News newspaper, and she, she chatted to me. Uh, she said that she never got paid from them and that she hasn't seen them since the sanctions, but that she said Nicola was just a, a very nice lady and a businesswoman who wanted to get on in life. Yeah, pr presumably she is a very nice lady, but... 
this is this, this is the risk that people take um because forevermore now when her name is googled it'll come up next to sanctioned by the by the, the US government um and you know I don't know what way there is back for people then so it'll be interesting to see if she returns to her native Scotland I think she's been very much embedded in Marbella society and has reared her child there anyway so she more than likely will probably stay on the costa um and maybe she's just dusting herself down at the moment and uh wondering what next for the potato based alcohol that has uh, made her fortune for the last couple of years but um finally when it comes to these women i do think we have to talk about who i would recognize as being the queen bee um there's very few of the women who can make it to the very top inner circles almost independently of a man. And Sandra Vaughan has done that. Yeah, I mean, Sandra Vaughan... Um, Scottish. Was, Scottish. And, um, you know, she became very much the public face of, of as after the Regency, really, as as um, MTK started to come under the focus due to, due to the publicity of the Regency Hotel, she became the face of, of, of MTK Global. She led, um, if you remember, uh, she was the face of the boycott of the Irish media. Mm. It was a, I think it was called Fair News, mm. you know, where she she launched this public boycott to say that uh, MTK had nothing to do with Daniel Kinahan and she'd bought it up and they were being slandered and misrepresented in the Irish media and she boycotted the, the media. So she she became the CEO of 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 MTK Global after Daniel uh, Kinahan stepped away or, uh, you know. She bought it from him, she said, in 2017. And she was a wealthy woman in her own right because before any of this, she was, she had set up Fake Bake, which was the sort of the original fake tan and made a lot of money out of that. Um, now, she had certainly got some um, connections with the Kinahans before she she bought MTK Global. She didn't come out of nowhere. She was somebody who was previously in a relationship with a guy called Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly was a Scottish criminal who was rescued by the Spanish police in the middle of a torture operation. He was actually videoed by the Guarda Seville, tied to a bed, surrounded with baseball bats. I think that might have been around 2012 in Spain. And that story made headline news. Now, she had separated from him at that stage, but she had been with him for some years and he was very much embedded in organised crime. Yeah, and um, she she had become involved with the, the boxing gym at an early, uh, an early point uh, in Marbella and had ultimately uh, married uh, uh, the boxing trainer, uh, Danny Vaughan, mm. um, who... who had been a boxer and had become one of the coaches. Um, so she became the, the public face of MTK Global, s- saying, you know, Daniel, nothing to do with it. Then it kind of got, kept getting murkier and murkier because boxers would keep, MTK boxers would keep describing Daniel as their manager. She came back with clarifications. Well, he manages fighters, but he's nothing to do with the company, you know, and it went 
on and on. Um, but she was uh, also mentioned in um, what came out this weekend from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, did a big long piece uh, about the, the Kinnahans and Dubai, where they had a lot, they'd received a lot of documents had been leaked to them. And, you know, it it, it focuses on, on Sandra Vaughan. Um, you know, it's describing how um, she uh, reportedly stepped, even though she was, she was reportedly had stepped down as the chief executive of the company of MTK Global in 2020 and sold the business. But these leaked documents and other records show undisclosed connections between uh, Sandra Vaughan, MTK Global and Daniel Kinahan. And they showed that um, Sandra Vaughan acted as a managing director of Dukashu Consultancy. Mm-hmm. Um, she had granted the power of attorney to a British woman to represent her in all her business dealings. And um, th- this woman acted as a shareholder in Dukashu Consultancy, which is owned by the Kinnans and was among one of the businesses sanctioned by the US authorities. She even on her LinkedIn page states her position as being as director of that company. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that that was one of the, the small number of companies that the US literally sanctioned. And, you know, it just shows that deeply embedded with Daniel Kinnan, she remained even while publicly, uh, in fairness, maybe not saying she had nothing to do with him, but, you know, the, the how in deeply entwined they were. Now, she, interesting, just as, as an aside, the reason I see her as being so interesting is that if you look at Daniel Kinahan as an individual, he's surrounded by men and there is only really that one woman there uh, anywhere near any of his business interests or his boxing interests or something. She does stand out from that point of view. Um, a very glamorous blonde lady who... Um, you know, is, again, very well groomed whenever she comes on videos. And she was photographed, I think, at the same time as Daniel was in a catastrophic um, error by a Pakistani minister when he was to meet the Probellum Boxing Company. And he accidentally tweeted with photographs of both Daniel and Sandra Vaughan that he was delighted to have met Probellum and was looking forward to welcoming them into Pakistan. Um Now, just going back to the business interest there, that international consortium of uh, journalists report, which was released, um, also show that a UAE government official named Khalid al-Jazmi acted as the local partner for Dukashu and MTK Global. We remember him popping up on the MTK Global website in full Arab clothing. I think he had a background as a policeman. Um, He was put into MTK Global by Sandra Vaughan as their, like... Uh, ambassador, I think it was the title. Was an or ambassador something or something, like yeah. It was a very hefty title he had anyway. And that's when he first appeared. But his name is popping up on these um, these company, documents. Yeah, the company are, registered. So you see really what the what the plan was, you know, um, in terms of embedding themselves in, 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 in Dubai, registering a certain amount of businesses, being able to show an income. Um, and, you know, the documents were very interesting. It was quite technical, a lot of it. Um, but one of the, the the contracts showed that they, they, they'd lodged this document. They actually put forward a business plan, the Kinnans, um, mm. and it described through how... Through the Dukashu company. Well, through Hasium General Trading. Would, and, you know, this is what they said their legitimate business would this be. This is the company we named two weeks ago as being Christy Kinahan Seniors, linked to him. Yes, and they would import... The, the business plan was formerly there, saying we'd import food from Brazil, 
Thailand, India, China and East Africa, the Persian Gulf countries and beyond. And we also hope to eventually expand into the trading of edible oil, pasta and even poultry. If we happen to line up potential leads, prospective clients and profitable deals for these products. So you see, this is this is it. They say we're going to incorporate the company with a physical office from the get go as we expect to employ a workforce of seven seven employees. So they really were planning to 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 become a part of, of society, to employ pe- local people, to have um uh you know, to have citizens of the Emirate mm. state to be involved in the company. And that that, that was the strategy. Mm. I just want to correct myself on something while we're on it um, about Jasmine going back to the to, to the, the Emirati there that is named on a lot of those documents and was the global brand ambassador for MTK. It was MTK Global that described him at the time in his profile as a police academy graduate who'd been serving in the UAE government for 30 years. So as opposed to him being a policeman for 30 years, that's how he described himself. And I think that the uh, International Consortium of Journalists tried to reach him for a comment, but they couldn't get through to him. Um, So, you know, by and large, this story is continuing to unravel, isn't it? And, you know, the focus now largely is on, okay, what are they going to do? What are the Kinahans going to do? We've touched on the wives and girlfriends who are more than likely going to either head for home or just bed down a bit. Um, but the actual guys at the, the top of this organization, um, they're on the run now, $5 million bounties on their heads for information. Um, they'll regroup, won't they? And they will try and salvage what they can. I think the boxing thing has just collapsed. The big problem there, of course, it was the, the money laundering machine. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the boxing was their 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 downfall ultimately. I mean, I don't think that I think that you know you can't uh, str- you know be a for Daniel you can't be a leading boxing promoter and also a leading drug cartel uh, chief. You know, you have to be one or the other. You have to be one or the other, and I think that brought the the fo- some of the focus of the U.S. authorities. So they'll try and regroup. There's going to be assets that are not. Uh, they're, you know, frozen bank accounts in Dubai. Does that mean that's freezing Daniel's current account or does it mean freezing everything that could possibly uh, be linked to him? I'd imagine it's more likely to be freezing a handful of bank accounts, to be honest. Well, we've no detail on that either from the United Arab Emirates. So, I mean, their commitment to this entire takedown is still out there to be questioned. Yeah, I mean, if it, look, it could even be as simple as freezing their personal bank accounts. I mean, so they're going to have assets. You could freeze are... my savings account <laughs> and believe me, I would be, you know, I would be unable to get out maybe a euro. Yeah, well, there you go. But um, so, yeah, so I would say they're going to try and have to move assets. So this is, it's just, it's, you know, the fact that they've been publicly named in the way they have, it's going to make it an awful lot more difficult. I mean, the idea now that they could reemerge in some other country and and set themselves up as consultants and food importers and various other things. It's just not likely now. And I mean, it's amazing. I actually did hear there was the rumors going around they're going to Afghanistan. I mean, that that is what you're talking about, you know. I mean, I doubt they're going to Afghanistan personally, but but it just shows you. That but at the same time, they're not defeated, and I think that has to be completely remembered. I mean, this is part of a plan, a takedown plan. It's it's a part. It's not the end. And they are not defeated and they are there. They're being pushed into a corner. They're probably becoming more dangerous all the time as everything they have and have created is threatened and is collapsing all around them. So I think that 
the information will keep flooding in in relation to them. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are making connections between the companies and, you know, many citizen journalists are working hard on that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not going to end next week. You know, we're not mm. going to see uh, people on a plane back to Ireland. I think, I need, uh, you know, in terms of the head, very head of the cartel. Except but, maybe they're ladies. Yeah. Niall Donald, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.